1: The national game on, on Sunday. We got down
0: to NAS Park uh, about an hour, uh, hour and a half before the first pitch. And uh, with my my son strapped to me, our, our not quite one year old, uh, strapped to me in the Ergo Baby. We, I decided that we were going to walk around Buzzard Point and and check out Audi Field. And it's a real building. I can confirm that it totally does exist, not just on the internet and. Uh it, it looks pretty good in person. I'm not gonna lie. They're, they've still got a ways to go in the next what eight weeks before uh July fourteenth, but it it's it's coming along. The seats are going in, it's got some it, it's got a presence when you're when you're there, which is pretty cool.
2: Sweet. So so what you're saying is that the building actually exists. Is the I am. Thing. Yes. So, Still a tangible thing that is real it is i well it
0: could be a very elaborate uh hologram because okay. i was not it was surrounded by fencing i I could not actually go touch the stadium itself so it's it is still possible that this is the most elaborate ruse ever
1: uh pulled but what about do- that it it is real do you think it's possible that uh someone has erected a uh mind control zone in Southwest where whenever you pass a certain street, your uh they just implant images of a stadium in your mind and can actually uh make it feel tactile as well.
0: Do you guys remember the shadow? No. The shadow nose. The old it was an old radio. Yes. Play series? Yes, was, yes,
1: because I'm eighty five thousand years old.
0: There was also it was that. also comic books, and there was also a movie in the nineties.
2: The, the movie was extremely heavily advertised, and then no one wanted to see it. It was I, a huge flop. I did, in fact, see it on <laughs> also, rental no, when it came
0: out on VHS, pre DVD. It came out on VHS, and I went to. It, it, this was even before Blockbuster had arrived in my my town. I went to the local video rental shop premier video and was it in a drugstore? no it was a standalone video oh, okay. rental place and uh and, and got the shadow and watched it and kind of became obsessed with it for a little while like i would rent the or borrow the the cds with the radio plays from the library and read some of the comic books i was really into it uh but in the movie uh, the, this I'm gonna spoil it for people. So fast forward 30 seconds if you care about no. a 30 year old movie being spoiled. Be spoiled. Be spoiled. <laughs> Do not watch this movie. The See, man, I'm,
1: not, I'm not giving you a spoiler alert for that.
0: <laughs> I already gave it. It's it's out there now. It's been longer than 30 seconds, so it's been ruined. But exactly. Uh, the centerpiece is basically the shadow can use mind control to make himself invisible, and. Someone uses the same technique to make everyone see a building in the middle of town that's in the middle of the city that's not there, and or or I guess not yeah. see a building that is there and see something else instead. Uh, and so that's and so, what Audi Field is. Yes, the shadow is responsible for Audi Field. The shadow knows, and now we wasn't, know. Wasn't I hope the this is case because I
2: want it to be real. Wasn't the shadow Alec Baldwin? I'm like 99% certain it that Alec Baldwin been? starred as the shadow. I can't emphasize enough how like this this the advertising campaign for this movie absolutely like flooded the entire world. And then it was just, Alec Baldwin. It, 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 was, it was in Baldwin, fact wanted. Alec Baldwin. No one wanted to see it at all. And it wasn't even like people were like mad against it. They were just like pass and that was it. The, this like, case is pretty
1: great re- too. Ian, I know. McCallan, Ian McKellen, Green. Tim Curry, Jonathan Winters.
2: Oh yeah, no, it was a, it was a huge deal. Uh, a Denon? lot of money. Um they went all out and society collectively was like no thank you. Uh and not even in an angry way, just like no. no, I'm not gonna see that. 9-year-old me was here for it though.
0: <laughs> hey, hey, welcome in. This is filibuster, the black and red united and Movie Flop Podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We are all from BlackAndRedUnited.com, where we write about DC United, who won a soccer game this weekend. Dang it! And we're going to talk about that. DC United beat San Jose three to one out in San Jose, and uh, this weekend they are going to stay out west and head down the coast to LA proper to to face the expansion LAFC. Watch it Saturday night, ten o'clock. Hashtag DCU After Dark. News Channel 8, Sinclair Stations, ESPN Plus, wherever you you watch DC United. That's where it'll be. We're going to talk about that, but before we do, Ben, what are you drinking?
1: So, I went to my local alcoholic beverage control store uh, this past weekend, because uh, we still have state-owned liquor stores here in the Commonwealth of Virginia, and I found a bottle of whiskey from Belmont Farms, which is in Culpeper County uh, near Fredericksburg. And they have a copper kettle uh, bourbon that's aged uh, two years and is a decent price. So I bought that and uh, am trying it in uh, in an old-fashioned. I bought the world's most giant bottle of Angostura bitters, because that's all they had at my ABC store. Um, It's seriously like almost i think it's a 750 of bitters which is just insane oh,
0: but i think you should take a picture and tweet that out because that sounds yeah
1: it's it's giant um and it's good you can tell it's a young whiskey you can tell it's a two-year-old aged whiskey and not a three or four or more year old aged whiskey but uh it's pretty decent and it's good price so if you like supporting local Virginia things. As one third of this podcast does,
0: uh, I would suggest it. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking Pinhook Straight Rye Whiskey. I think I've had it on the the show before. Uh, it's a Kentucky distillery, uh, or at least a, a bottlery. Um, like most rye whiskey, this is distilled in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, the old uh, Seagram's plant, but they they finish it in in Frankfort, Kentucky. Which is my wife's hometown, and it's it's horse racing themed justify won the second leg of the triple crown he's a, the triple Crown's alive when it comes to Belmont in a few weeks, so that's exciting for people who like horse racing like me, so uh, I'm drinking pinhook tonight to you know celebrate that possibility Jason
2: uh I meant to go get beer uh, I haven't had beer on the show in a while, and I also just haven't had beer at home in a while. I don't know what's going on, but it just hasn't happened. And I thought to myself, it's time to go get some beer. And I thought that several times during the day. And then the day went by and I never went and got the beer. So instead, uh, I am drinking uh Suerte Blanco tequila. Uh, <laughs> neat, because I never got the beer. And, it, you know, it became like 8.50 uh, and we record around nine and I did not have the beer, didn't have time to go get the beer. And that was that. Timothy Oliphant going to be riding Justify in the, in the last uh, like, couple of Triple I'm round sorry, ago. do you mean Skeet Ulrich? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't. I've told you guys about how I, I insisted for years that they were the same person.
1: <laughs> I had uh, thankfully forgotten that and uh, now you have reminded me of it.
2: Yeah, well that's, that's because they're the same person.
1: They're not. Timothy Olavent is... is good.
2: <laughs> They're also,
1: they don't even look the same at all. At all. <laughs> and Timothy Olavent is a good actor and a good person. Skid Oryx is neither of those things.
0: And I'm just going to power on through into the show. DC United finally put together a complete 90-minute performance over the weekend, going into Avaya Stadium and running out deserved 3-1 winners over the Quakes. Goals from Zoltan Stieber, Darren Maddox, and Yamila Assad. Dime's from Acosta twice and Paul Areola. Um, Mostly, though, hooray, a road win, a good win. Well, I mean, San Jose as a team are kind of trash, Jason, but a good win, good showing nevertheless.
2: Yeah, I mean, San Jose is, in my view, maybe the worst team in the entire league, Um, but if your team is of any... Chicago,
1: uh, Chicago, uh, Colorado begs to differ.
2: Yeah, I... I think Colorado would beat San Jose more times than not um, at a neutral venue. Um, But the point is, like, if you play a bad team, you should go out and actually beat them. Um, And we've seen D.C. find ways to lose or find ways to to put themselves in a bad situation. And this time they ended up not they, they didn't just go out and get the early goal, which is now four games in a row. They've done that. But they didn't then follow it up with some calamity that ruined everything. Instead, they just kept doing what was working, avoided the big mistake. And uh, really, I mean, other than maybe the last few minutes of the first half, I think they controlled this thing from start to finish. It was not quite a 90-minute performance, but it was pretty close. And when they were in charge, they really were in charge. They weren't just edging the game. They were actually – I mean, they could have scored – five or even six goals in this game and still Mm -hmm. left some on the table um so uh as far as you know dc united goes out and pummels a bad team they did that and so uh you can't really fault them for the fact that san jose is bad it's not like they barely scraped out a 2-1 win against a bad team where you're like wow that was lucky this was not luck it was you know a pretty comprehensive win and uh, a big part of that win
0: was the high press. Jason, you mentioned they, they got ahead and then they kept doing it. They they weren't doing a relentless high press the way uh, Sporting Kansas City famously has done. But they were doing it a lot more. It was a lot more front foot defending. And they they seemed to have a few more triggers to, to the press and were very intelligent about yeah.
2: how this they sweet did it. The trigger was, is Jackson Ewell on the ball? If so, high press. Um, I mean, I I feel bad. It's funny because Yule and Anibal Godoy are both really good players, but they do not work as a central midfield pairing. And I mean, I hate to start this on kind of a note of caution, but um, San Jose was perfectly set up for DC United to exploit. Um, The fact that their central midfield doesn't really defend at all, uh, plays right into the hands of all the players that were out there. Um, the, the fact that they didn't rotate, they were on short rest meant that even some of their players further forward, weren't really putting in the work, which is where, uh, Lucho Acosta has the space for, uh, for his pretty great assist on the first goal. Um, that assist, that space shouldn't be there. He shouldn't be able to pick it, you know, pick his head up and measure his pass and then size it up again and then hit the pass that pa- like that was an eternity of time. Um, yeah, and, and great know, he wasn't, he was in his own half.
0: He sure. was he had basically dropped back almost into the defense, uh, to pick that. Like he picked it up in a fullback spot to the point that I saw questions. Was that Durkin or was that Acosta? <laughs> Partly because the announcers on if you watch the replay, the announcers are talking about Chris Durkin. Yeah. Um, in in that play, so it was a little confusing. It was like he looks too small, but he's on the far side of the field. Maybe it is Durkin. Wow, that was a great diagonal ball. Maybe that was Durk. No, it was Acosta.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and he fell when he when he passed it, which is. There's some great goals in D.C. United history where the assist came off of a falling player. Danny Cruz had a couple in his short time in D.C. <laughs> uh, but the high press worked, the passing worked. The, the second two goals both came from from the high press, and uh, it, it was good. And, and one of those goals was created by Paul Areola, central midfielder. Ben, this was the the second game we saw with him there, and I think he was even better than he was in the first one at RSL.
1: Oh, for sure he was. Uh, Paul Ariola as a central midfielder, has been a uh, been a revelation. It's uh, breaking it down with the benefit of hindsight. Uh, he has the tools to be a very good central midfielder in uh, MLS, and we're only two games in so far, so we can't we can't know what'll happen long term. Uh, but these two games have been a a. A solid game and then an even better game uh he has the energy to run around a lot uh he can uh anticipate passes he can uh get feisty and 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 get into it with players, and he can pass pretty well, and I feel like his passing from central midfield is pretty decent so uh and especially with the other wingers that d c United has on the roster right now. Uh getting Assad and Steber uh on each wing is basically essential at this point, and having Ariola in the middle just uh makes everybody better right now, and there's no number eight at the moment that can beat Ariola. Uh Knauss is still injured and Segura hasn't proved up to it, and Harks hasn't proved up to it, so uh at least in the short term, I think it's gotta be Paul Ariola in central midfield.
0: I think they did adjust the way they used Ariola this week. Last week, we talked about how his his first touch in traffic isn't as composed as or, or as tight as, as you necessarily want in that position. And there were a couple of moments where he received the ball deep in United's half last week where he, he touched it into space intelligently. But it could have been better if he had received the ball and turned immediately. This week, he, he had... A few touches in in United's half, including one around our own 18, but he was generally a little higher on the field, and I think some of that is down to San Jose being bad, but some of it, I think, is a conscious decision to try to keep him a little bit more advanced when possible, and and it obviously worked out.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, this is something that I I tweeted from the site account after the game. Uh, Paul Areola had as many key passes, which is to say passes that ended with a shot, um, from his teammate, uh, as he did passes that he didn't connect on. Um, he had six uh, of each, uh, which is pretty spectacular. Um, you know, in that the first game he did it, you know, I think we all against RSO we wanted to see him clean up his game a little bit, uh, in this one, he did that. Um, and again, you know, the setup was perfect for that setup to work. Um, it's never going to be, No other team in the league plays uh, two holding midfielders like this where neither one of them is really that good defensively um, without also having someone that can step out. Um, We'll get to LAFC in the next segment. They're the closest thing to San Jose in that regard, but they still have Laurent Simon stepping up to break plays up. So they have some presence between those holding midfielders and their center backs. Whereas San Jose is just like, good luck uh, creating chances in this incredibly important area that everyone loves to create chances from. Um, But, you know, it's great to see that it wasn't just there for the taking. United took it. Um, uh, Paul Areola continued to be a presence on both sides of the ball. Um, I think his speed in in the middle uh, is a sneaky... Positive because it just it doesn't seem to give anyone else time to breathe because he's there quicker than uh, the other players not not just the other players on this roster but other players around the league as far as players playing central midfield there are few people that can compete with him in terms of speed Um, and you know that if you're going to high press teams that element is huge you cannot have slow players anywhere on the field basically Um, because as soon as you have someone that can't get there in time. They're in, that's where the press gets broken, is the player that just can't quite press pressure enough. That's how you get out. And so having Paul Areola there, it's, it's uh it sets a pretty high bar and it really reduces the amount of time that anyone playing against DC is going to have to play through the middle.
1: And I like Stieber uh, on the field definitely as a winger. He's the best uh, uh, free kick deliverer they have right now, but I think he's just a little too slow To use him in the middle So having Paul Areola there and Stieber out wide uh, At least for right now Is kind of the best of both worlds
0: It's funny you mention that Because Stieber scored the first goal On a run in behind the defense Where where he outran uh, Florian Youngworth um, To to put the ball in the net with his Weaker foot, no less Uh, Stiebe in this one was really good I really, really, really like him Inverted on the right
2: yeah. It was, uh, another really good performance that, you know, he, he's gotten it done in different ways, which I think is a real positive. Um, we've seen, you know, set piece excellence. We've seen, um, his connection with Darren Maddox be really important. This was just a, it was a pure off the ball run, um, that he made his initial run behind the defense San Jose, which allowed San Jose to forget about him. Then he checked back before the ball was struck. Um, got in between two defenders didn't really get on either one of their radars and then made his run with a little hook to it so that just as Acosta's is hitting the ball he's already in stride rather than having to start accelerating when the ball's in the air um so it, it was really kind of a um a how to guide in how to break uh an offside trap um and then he had the strength to hold off uh florian Youngworth and keep his balance in the box and and keep his balance well enough to actually provide the finish because if he goes off balance a little bit maybe that ball is shot into Andrew Tarbell instead or it goes wide or whatever um so it, it was really it was the kind of thing you expect from a forward almost um rather than a winger and i think it's another example of uh Steiber just having such a well-rounded um you know it, it, just on the the technical side um he's just so well-rounded in in ways that a lot of players on the team aren't Um, and there's a refinement to his game. And I think the run, uh, the the setting up the run really was, a was just a, a high level soccer brain at work. Um, and if he can keep producing that, then we get into a situation where United's most expensive midfielders all have to be on the field at the same time. Um, even if, you know, defensively, it might be giving something away. The fact is that, um, The firepower on the field at this point, Uh, you know, maybe United has to become a track meet team. We've seen them do that before. It was pretty fun in 2016. Um, Maybe they have to maybe that's the way they have to uh, operate, because maybe that's the best team they can be right now. Um, I think Ben Olsen has to seriously be considering that rather than um, biding his time until Segura returns. I think there's a real argument for just kind of going for it and seeing you know seeing where the chips fall because we know that trying to be KG hasn't necessarily worked this year.
1: And especially yeah. if uh I'm probably jumping all over Adam's transition, but especially if uh Darren Maddox isn't he's still producing he's producing
2: well, but he's still producing under what his expected goals should be. Well he's under, but it's only because he's also getting into such good positions. Like it's it's the the yin and yang of Darren Maddox is... Well, yeah, but I mean, if we had a
1: Sebastian Javinko or uh, perhaps uh, a Wayne Rooney for uh, pulling a name out of nowhere, uh, those goals might get converted more
0: awesome. Um,
2: I have two
0: things. Okay, go ahead, Adam. There are two angles to go from, from this. One is, yes, this was the most Darren Maddox of games. Um he the the goal that he he finished that he scored was probably his most difficult chance of the night it was uh, an angled finish he was running away angling away from the goal sent it across to the far post an absolutely inch perfect finish and then uh the other chances he got, he tripped over a blade of grass, um, <laughs> then got up and, and found was... a teammate with the ball, which was good, but was not wrong. as good as a one-on-one with the keeper. Yeah. And then the other time he was in behind, he took a bad touch and had to compose himself and allowed uh, the keeper to get into position to make a good save. He he forced a difficult save, but it was still savable, not uh, a, a surefire goal like he might have had if he had been a little bit cleaner on the ball. He he had some excellent touches, uh, bringing down long balls, and he had some unbelievable bad touches. But going to Rooney, I think it's an op- one good question to have is would Rooney be in those same positions as Maddox? Maddox is one of the fastest guys on the field. Rooney is not going to be that. Uh, Yamil Assad's goal. Asad was also really good in this game, by the way. Uh, that happens because Maddox and Areola teamed up to, to press Jackson Yule uh, into a turnover. And I don't know if Rooney would have been able to do that. So I, I, I do think that Rooney would have been, would be about 8 million times more clinical than Darren Maddox in front of goal, but he, he would require a different approach to the game potentially that may or may not
2: be as successful team wide as this was on the night. Yeah, um, and you know, I think the main question becomes, uh, aside from you know, obviously United has to go about things a little differently if Wayne Rooney's leading the same lineup rather than Darren Maddox. Um, if they try and play the same way, that's that's not going to work. Um, but the other side of this is, can Rooney think the game fast enough to make up for the speed deficit that that he's giving away to Maddox? Um, I think he can um enough to improve the team overall um i still have my misgivings about this move uh if it if it comes to pass they are mostly based on the fact that he has nearly 800 professional games played which is too many games um but uh i, I do see a path to him succeeding and it would come down to um if his soccer iq allows him to make up for the fact that he's not as fast um if he can be just you know, smarter than everyone else, then he can get away with it. Um, But we'll see. I I mean, I I certainly think that there's going to be a lot less playing into space if he's leading the line and this team is still dumping balls over the top uh, on a regular basis, then that's, that's pretty bad. That's a bad sign. It's a a sign that, that Rooney has been misunderstood on a pretty fundamental level. Um, But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they're going to be playing the feet with him a lot more. And um that's gonna it's going to be a change for United, uh, but I I think there is a path to it working. Um, but I do you know I do think that Maddox is still going to be an important factor. Uh, whether Ro- if Rooney comes if Rooney does come to town, I think Maddox still has a a, a place in this team, and he might become more of a wide player um, in in that scenario because you've still got to find a way. I mean, his speed. Whether or not the final product is clean, his speed is causing teams nightmares. Even good teams are having a hard time dealing with him. So um, we can't discount that just because, you know, sure, we know that when he gets in the box, it might be a goal or it might be an inexplicable stumble at the last moment. We we don't know what's going to happen, but you're still getting these opportunities through his speed that you just don't get from anyone that isn't that fast.
1: I, and that would actually be, uh, be an advantage if... Uh... If Ariola continues in the middle to have another good player off the bench for the wings, so you know, or, or, you know, or up top,
0: if or we're up top, yeah, the last twenty minutes of a game and runs at tired defenders, that's not the worst thing in the world. And there's going to be Rooney's not going to be able to start every game down the stretch. There's so many games in the last and, three months of the season. Let's not I,
2: forget he's going to be playing in uh, a DC August and September, yeah. Um, so he's going to need that. The, the United's going to be bringing in forward for him on a regular basis anyway. Um, so, yeah, having someone, uh, a legitimate threat to bring in, that uh, that changes the equation quite a bit. So, uh, you, Jason, you
0: mentioned that there's going to need to be a little bit more ball possession, balls defeat for, for DC United when and if Rooney comes in. And the midfield, for for the midfield over the last years uh has, that's been a problem they haven't been able to retain possession we saw some improvement on that front in in this game united didn't win the possession battle but game states had something to do with that but we did see more ball retention and in ball circulation from this midfield of acosta areola and chris durkin who had himself a game as well um hopefully they can continue that improvement but ben talk to me about chris durkin
1: uh i mean Chris Durkin is great. Uh, The thing that starts with that that he is so good at is the long diagonal ball. It's why we thought that uh, that ball from Acosta was Chris Durkin, because he is so very good at that. Um, And he's solid at the defending part, and he's getting even better every week. He is coming up to the MLS level of play. Uh, intercepting balls, uh, making tackles, shielding the back line. Uh, he was thrown in, basically, because everybody else was hurt. It, it probably would have been better if he could have done had more time alongside Junior Moreno or Russell Knauss, but that's just not the way it worked out. And he's done a good job. He's getting better. I feel like if they keep him in there... He can be really good by the end of the year. I don't think there's any reason to start Junior Moreno over him right now. Uh, I think he's separated him. He's done well enough that Moreno has to prove something to take that spot back. It's not just a given. Uh, when Russell Knauss gets healthy, I think also like Russell Knauss will have to show it in practice that he is better than Chris Durkin or show it in 20 minutes at the end of games when he's first healthy. I think Dorkin has done well enough that he's got a a he's got a claim for this position for the rest of the year, and it's going to be up to the other players in his positions to take it away from him.
0: Not to rain on this this love fest uh, this parade, but there was at least one player who didn't have the best showing, and it's the second game in a row for him. O'Neal Fisher uh, started it right back. Nick DeLeon moved over to the left side in this one, and O'Neal Fisher beaten on the goal. I have no idea what he was doing on the goal. He made a good block um, after making an inexplicable defensive run. I feel like he he was too far wide at the start of the play, and then he cuts in front of the attacker, but lets the ball go past him, and suddenly ends up behind the play in the other direction makes a great sliding block um, but the deflection goes back to uh, the attacker who who chips it in for the goal had a couple of bad giveaways in, in United's half just uh, on a night when he was better than he was against RSL I'll say that much but um, he he didn't look necessarily like he, he belonged at this level on the field
3: well
2: I don't. I don't know if I want to come down too harshly. I thought this was a, a lot better than, yes, uh, what he produced at RSL. Um, he only gave the ball. He, he had five misplaced passes, which um, for O'Neal Fisher is very, very good. Um, and and I'm you know, I guess I'm kind of with him. I'm kind of grading on a curve because yeah. last week was so bad that it's like all right, let's let's figure out what's actually working. Um, way to improve, it, buddy. Yeah, so he got better at keeping the ball. Um, the defending on the goal was kind of the... It's kind of a summary of O'Neill Fisher uh, in a way <laughs> because um, he makes a mistake. He has the speed and the tenacity to get back and and do something about it. Um, and then the bad luck that the ball goes straight back to Danny Hooson anyway um who let's let's be fair to him that was a pretty nice uh, finish at the end um you know kind of falling away um at that low angle for him to still get that across we've seen plenty of mls strikers miss that one um but yeah uh it it wasn't he got lost in space basically um and just wasn't in the right pl- wasn't in the right place and didn't seem to quite register the amount of danger that was present, which is something we mentioned last week. Um and that's kind of the deal with him. He's I think he's an MLS caliber backup. Um especially if you're a front foot team where he's doing more attacking than defending. Um and so this week with a little more attacking he was better. But we're still talking about a goal that that is largely on him. Um so I you know I, I think we're at a point where Nick Dalion has had a couple of good games in a row where um He's an acceptable fullback for the time being. Um, I'd still like to see the team do better at both uh, starting fullback positions, but. um, That's where they need to spend the money. But if I had to pick, um, you know, if if you told me you can only fill one of those, I'd say, okay, fine. Nick Dalion can start on one side, and then uh, you sort it out with a a new fullback on the other side. Yeah, Um, definitely. But, you know, we're seeing some improvements in the back overall. Um, I think we're seeing a little more of a. Things are gelling a little more. It's just, you know, this is an individual mistake. And this maybe does take some luster off the game because I said before, they didn't really shoot themselves in the foot. They, they did, they did on this goal. It's just, they waited until after they'd already scored three. Um, Whereas in the other games, it was score one and then do whatever you can to not keep that lead. Um, So, you know, progress, but still not perfect by any means. And, and, um, you know, we're kind of stuck with Fisher and Mora. Mora's back from suspension this week, and it'll be interesting to see whether he resumes his starting job or Fisher stays in the lineup because you could make a good argument that it should be. It's more of an argument against uh, than right. it is one of them being yeah. having an argument for one of them. But one of those two players is going to start against LAFC. Um, and I'm interested to see where Olsen takes it because. I think if he's going with Mora, he's thinking more about keeping a clean sheet. Uh, and if he goes with Fisher, he's saying like, all right, Fisher's probably going to screw up uh, at some point and probably give away a pretty dangerous chance or two. Uh, hopefully he makes up court going the other way. Um, but I'm, you know, I, I think it's a pretty much a coin flip between those two right now. Um, and maybe, maybe Mora has the edge because De Leon is a little better at right back than left back. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's splitting hairs between those two. Unfortunately, we're in a moment where it's not clear who should start uh, as the other fullback, and not for the reason we would
0: want. Right? It's not. It's not where both players are forcing Ben Olsen to make a, a to to put them on the field. It's it's exactly the opposite. That would have been good. <laughs> yeah, good being the opposite of bad. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. uh, and and coming up against. Carlos Vela on the right side for LAFC that's not a a position you want a question mark in. So maybe that argues for O'Neal Fisher cuz he'll at least be on the right side. Who starts on the right for or who starts on the left for for LAFC?
2: Uh that's a good question because it's kind of a variable right now. Okay. Well, there they, a question mark a against a question three, mark, but they don't have a set yeah. Um right. we'll get into their their issues in the next segment well question mark versus question mark is better
0: than question mark versus Carlos Vela probably Um, so I don't know that's the only change I would want to see considered uh in the lineup for for next week I want to see the same midfield I want to see Darren Maddox up top um I want to see Osted again uh let's talk Osted real quick before we get out of here can we get Philip Lomb to start on the left uh can we I think the transfer window is closed. So that's why not. He's on a free.
1: Okay, he's retired.
0: <laughs> okay. If he was if he was out of contract Phillip
2: before Philip Lom, if you're listening to this podcast, please get in contact with DC United. <laughs> not this podcast. We can't help you play for well, the team. Oh, if you,
1: well, if you right. want to
2: come on this podcast
0: and oh, Yeah, yeah. I mean we'll, if you we'll just welcome want to you. talk
2: to us, that's cool. But if I, you'd like to come and play soccer,
0: we know a team that could use you. I don't know what Philip Lom's uh, language skills are uh, but if he does not speak English and we have any German speaking listeners please translate this Man. portion of the show and and put it in front of Philip Lom's ears um, or eyes if you translate it in writing which would make a lot more sense than actually dubbing over a podcast in another language so either way just get this in front of him and um, tell him to get in touch with Dave Casper because <laughs> United needs some help at that position uh, David Osted started in goal. We'll talk about him real quick before we, we move to the second segment and our wonderful guest coming on. Uh, Jason, what did you make of his performance? A little bit more solid than than Steve Clark has been in the last couple games, I thought.
2: Yeah, I mean, he didn't have a ton of things to do, um, which is always a plus. Um, but I, I, I felt like the defense was a little more organized with him. Um, I also thought he was holding balls a little more easily. He was in a position where his saves didn't quite involve as much work Um, as Clark. Sometimes Clark always looks like he's trying very hard. Um, And sometimes it's because he's not that well positioned. And so he has a harder save to make uh, for himself. Um, Osted, I think um, brings a better positional sense, a little more consistency from play to play. Um, just a little more steady. He's sort of – there's sort of opposites in their way because Osted's bigger. Um, he's a little more traditional in the way he goes about uh, the job. Clark definitely has some unorthodox technique. Um, he's smaller. He's more agile, um, but also more willing to take chances with the ball at his feet, it, positionally coming off his line, et cetera. Um, but I, I think the team so far – in my opinion, at least, has mostly been better with Osted in the lineup over Clark. Um, Clark does have the best single game for a goalkeeper for DC United this year uh, in Annapolis, but um, that one doesn't necessarily look like it's the norm. It looked like more the exception up to this point. Um, So I I kind of, I understand why Olsen gave him a few games rather than just switching him back. Um, But at the same time, I think for the time being, unless Osted has a game where we have to start questioning um his ability then i think maybe he's the starter for the foreseeable future because i think it's it, it, this team could use a little more stability uh in the back given that most of their problems have come from um erratic play or or not being steady from from moment to moment and i think they could use that presence back there where they know it's you know osted doesn't make a lot of mistakes he might not necessarily Win save of the week every single time, but a lot of times it's because he's not really having to win save of the week, he's making it easy, it makes it look like it's a training drill. But that's good, you want that out of a goalkeeper.
0: Anything else you guys want to add about this
1: game? Winning
0: is fun, winning is fun. Hopefully, DC United can keep it going against LAFC, who oh, they're pretty good. Uh, hopefully, they can keep it going, DC United uh we will talk about that in the next segment stick around this is filibuster the black and red united podcast hey ben um you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment would you you can tell Uh, me
1: depends i mean well i should ask you i mean is our goats hostile
0: back to filibuster after the win in the bay area dc united are staying out west to prep for this weekend's first ever game against los angeles football club this saturday uh watch it on news channel eight espn plus your local sinclair station the fight in will Farrells, or is it wills Farrell? uh they are second in the west on 20 points from 11 games and scoring more than Two goals a game in the process. This is uh they're a pretty good team and here to talk about them and really what what lafc are doing is giving us an excuse to have one of our favorite guests back on the show, Alicia Rodriguez, managing editor of Angels on Parade. Welcome back to Filibuster.
3: Thanks for having me back, guys. I'm so glad to talk about games with you again. Yay.
1: Yeah.
0: It's been a while.
3: Since uh, what, long you, long time.
2: So what, what twenty already? four twenty fourteen? Yep. Oof. Wow. What are you drinking?
3: Uh I am leaning into the uh, other demographic and having a nice margarita.
0: Excellent. Nice. Margs are always welcome here on Filibuster.
3: I've been on a big margarita kick for I don't know, a good year or so. So like I said, I think it's it's I'm just leaning into the to the demo.
1: I like I it.
0: Yeah, you'll you'll fit in, fit in just fine, <laughs> right here. Um, speaking of fitting in, Carlos Vela, man, what he, he's pretty good, huh? <laughs> just to yeah. go for understatement.
3: Yeah, he's he's pretty good. I I think when um, LAFC signed him, you know, the expectation was that he was going to lead the team and um, you know be the the marquee name. And one of the issues with Vela in the past had been kind of a lack of commitment. Um, you know, he wasn't really beloved in Mexico and it seemed like he, his attention kind of wavered a lot when he was playing in Spain. Um, even though that was his best, you know, stint of his career to date. Um, so there were some concerns for sure when he came in, but I would, I have to say since he's come to Los Angeles, um, he's been nothing but a model professional Uh, he's scoring some absolute scorching goals that, you know, are are, he's making an instant highlight reel in, you know, the first couple months of the season. Um, He seems relaxed. He seems at ease. And he knows that he has to be a public figure for LAFC in a way that he hasn't been in the past for any of his other clubs, not even Real Sociedad. Um, And he's taken the mantle on. Uh, He understands the, the responsibility franchise and um he's running with it and i think it's it's pretty cool to see it all kind of come together early and um you know lead him into the world cup and hopefully he can do some good things there and then hopefully he'll come back and and be just as fresh and and keep going for for lafc
0: another thing that's come together really nicely for lafc is that home stadium bank of california stadium where uh lafc has never lost a game there they're two oh and two they They're what's what what's made that such a good home field for you, them for through uh through four games and is that the fortress that chivas Uf- usa never had
3: uh well yeah it, it is definitely the fortress that chivas usa never had <laughs> by virtue of never having their own stadium yes. uh so we'll get that out of the way right off the bat but no, I mean it's early. Obviously, four games is a is a really small sample size. Um, it's it's part of that give and take. You know, on one hand, you want to have a team establish itself quickly in its own home, um, no matter if it's a new team or not. But um, given the fact that they're an expansion team and they're playing, you know, better than anyone you know, any expansion team has to date, um, you know, you're hoping for them to do well at their their stadium. And I think the good news is there doesn't seem to be a, a huge switch between home and away so far. Um, they did lose at the weekend away, their first away game, in uh, about a, not quite a month, about three weeks. Um, you know, so obviously there's going to be games where it's going to be tougher than others, and they're not going to probably be undefeated the whole season at home. I'm not, you know, somebody who expects um, – perfection by any means but uh it's a good start and i think the fact that the stadium is of a reasonable size by mls standards fits the market quite well and um i think it will probably prove to be a a good move in the long run instead of having you know instead of trying to chase some kind of you know white whale like atlanta stadium and like well we're gonna have eighty thousand people too um You know, that's not quite as realistic, I don't think, in a market like LA at this moment in time. So, I think having one that's about 22,000 fits them pretty well, and so far, so good.
1: So, my questions are about uh LAFC's defense, and I wanted to start off with uh uh Stephen Betisher, he got yanked uh early. Uh, in the game against uh, against the Portland Timbers. Uh seemed like he might have picked up a knock. Uh, what's his status for uh, the weekend against DC United, and how important has he been for the team so far this season?
3: Well, to be honest, um, it's kind of up in the air, but I'm expecting all of the players who got called up for uh, the provisional World Cup rosters to potentially be out, and that includes Betashur, who was by far the biggest surprise. Um, the last time he was called up by Iran was for the 2014 World Cup. So when we were planning out, um, you know, players who are going to be gone, potential call-ups for the World Cup, uh, you know, one of the writers on the site was like, oh, in beta shirt. Sure. I'm like, uh, no, that's obviously not happening. Um, and then right. called, he was called up. So um, I don't know exactly if, I don't know if their camp's open quite yet or not. Um, you know, I don't speak Farsi, so it's hard for me to, follow the native language um, press. But um, I expect since he's a bubble call, unless he's very much like a, we're just going to have you on retainer if we need you, uh, I expect he's going to go off to camp and he'll be gone. So I think there's a good chance he's not going to be there. Um, I also think that's the case for Laurent Simon, who's been the captain and, um, you know, he's scored a couple of pretty key goals surprisingly this season and Um, He's playing in the the friendly against Borussia Dortmund, but I expect he probably will not be in town for Saturday's game against D.C.
1: And then uh, my other question also about the defense um, has to do with both Walker Zimmerman and uh, uh, Dejan Jakovic. Jakovic was, uh, as our uh, listeners know, is a former D.C. United player uh, who's been starting here and there for LAFC. Uh, But Walker Zimmerman is on the USMNT roster. Uh, So do you think Zimmerman actually plays for LAFC this weekend? And how has, and uh, related to that, how, how has Decky uh, performed for LAFC this year? And how is he going to uh, supplant or replace Zimmerman if he's not there?
3: Yeah, so Zimmerman has already gone with the U.S., training with them, so I don't expect him to play. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's pretty much nailed on because uh, the U.S.'s game is on Monday, so it doesn't really make sense for him to go train with the national team, come back and play on Saturday and then go back on Monday. So I think he's gone. Um, I think this really, as you can probably tell, I'm sure you're probably um, rubbing your hands together in glee. <laughs> think,
1: but, yes.
3: Um, it really looks like it's going to be a pretty short uh bench for center backs on Saturday which is to say the only actual center back who's going to be around is going to be Jakovic and he's been playing really well um i think when he was signed i was sort of like mm, you know maybe he'll play a couple games like around the world cup or something like that but you know he's there to be like an insurance policy and um, he was used in the very first game because Zimmerman was hurt and he's been playing a lot better than I thought he was going to play. I think in fact he's probably you know held his own really um, for the, you know pretty much compared to Zimmerman and, and Simon so I think that's been a pleasant surprise for sure. Um, again you know with the World Cup stuff sometimes the teams make agreements with national teams and You know, there's a possibility perhaps that Simon could stick around, but I doubt it. I think he's really going to be gone for the game. So that means that alongside Jakovic, it's probably going to be Joel Moutinho or Tristan Blackman. They're rookies, uh, draft picks this year. Both of them are fullbacks. So Moutinho has played a little bit of center back in college, but he, you know, if you take a look at him, he looks like a fullback as far as body type, um, build. Um, that's not to say that he can't be a center back. You know, he, he did play a little bit of center back in preseason. I believe the same is true for, for Blackman. Um, but neither one is a actual center back. So this is going to be kind of a wild ride probably on, on Saturday from an LAFC perspective. And again, you're, you know, from the DC perspective, you'll probably be pretty jacked to, to, you know, throw numbers, uh, up in, in the counter attack or into the box and see what happens.
2: Uh Alicia, we with DC we just had a game against San Jose's uh central midfield, which is just a sign that says please don't attack here. Um I know uh in watching LAFC for most of the season, they've kind of been willing to it's not so much that they're like San Jose where they just don't have a functioning midfield. It's just that they're kind of willing to take a big risk with Benny Fairhaber and Mark Anthony Kaye as their um most of the time. Um it's been those two starting, but recently they've been involving, um, Eduardo Atuesta a little more. Um, tell us a little bit about him.
3: Yeah. Atuesta is a 20 year old Colombian. Um, Juan Pablo Angel is an advisor or something like that for LAFC. And apparently he recommended Atuesta. Um, and Bob Bradley's brought him on kind of slowly so far, but he's been getting more play lately, and I think in anticipation for this time of year, because, um, you know, I I wrote about this recently. I think basically the team's entering a new phase, sort of like weathering the World Cup as best as they can. They still have quite a few games before their you know World Cup stars will be back, so uh, you know they're going to have to kind of deal with it a little bit for several weeks and. Um, Atoyesta, I think, has shown good and bad. I think think he's a player who's more in the mold of a defensive midfielder, uh, not necessarily a destroyer. In fact, I don't really think that there's a full destroyer on this team anywhere, um, which is pretty unusual for um, an MLS team, you know, to not have a guy who just, like, I'm just going to make tackles and I'm not going to worry about, you know, putting the attack forward i'm just going to pass square when i get the ball and you know call it a day um
1: bob, bob should have gotten ricardo clark
3: yeah well i mean it you know for the most part it's been working although i think it's fair to say that people who watch mls pretty closely uh have kind of been biting their nails throughout as you know as far as like when is this going to fall apart is it going to fall apart um but going back to atuesta uh He he has an ability to kind of get up and down the field. I think he plays fairly box-to-box. He definitely puts in the work on the defensive side. Uh, He can be a little bit rough at times. So, you know, there's been a a game or two where we've been watching him and sort of said, oh, I think he could have gotten sent off for that. And, you know, he sort of benefited. But, um, you know, he scored a goal. I think overall, you know, it looks good, but he's a young player and I think he's shown a few youthful mistakes, but I definitely think he's somebody that is worthwhile and I think is somebody who has definitely earned himself more playing time moving forward.
2: Uh, moving further forward, obviously the the front line with, with Vela and Diego Rossi has been really, really good so far. Um. But lately, it's weird to say it, but losing uh, Marco Urania and his zero goals seems to have caused things to slow down a little bit. Um, How is Bradley working around losing kind of his workhorse on the front line?
3: I I think it's still a work in progress. Um, I think – I don't know if they were really expecting uh, their new signing who came at the transfer deadline – Adama Diamande to be ready before this, or if they thought it was going to take a few weeks. But um, from an outside perspective, I've been a little bit surprised at how long it's taken him to get his paperwork in order and, you know, get over here, get started, get integrated, get, you know, start playing. Uh, from what I understand, I think he's a more, um, let's say, more prolific scorer than Urania. Um mm. I think, you know, Ureña is not a prolific scorer. and you know, the over-under realistically on goals for him was probably going to be at five uh, for the season. And I think that's what he scored last year for the Quakes. So, you know, you want him to kind of pitch in, but he's not going to be, um, you know, leading the line for you as far as production. Um, but he does a lot of good things, and he's sort of like a archetypal support striker, right? Like we usually use the term support striker to mean uh, he's bad at his job, and he can't score. So like he, you know, he works hard, but he can't really score. Um, I think in the case of Ureña, he can actually score so, or he can actually do the work. He may not be a scorer, but he does the work to help all of his teammates get going. Um, I think to an extent that's going to be the role that Diomande is going to have as well as, you know, presumably chipping in a few goals too. Um, But I think at this point it's kind of a, you know, work in progress. I think, Diego Rossi's hit a little bit of a wall. Um, I don't necessarily expect him to be in a slump forever, but you know he hit the ground running big time, and I think uh, opposing defenses have kind of keyed in on him lately, especially with Ureña going out. You know he's finding it uh, a little bit trickier now. Um, I think the big kind of cult hero figure right now is is Latif Blessing. There's the the fan base really seems to have taken to him. Um, And, you know, he's somebody that I think had certainly had potential in Kansas City last year. But, you know, watching him with LAFC, it's pretty evident that whether he starts or he comes off the bench, uh, he's a guy who puts in a ton of effort, too. And he's able to stretch defenses. He's able to push forward on, you know, counters. And, um, you know, he can cross to his teammates. He can get into the box. So, he has a pretty varied skill set that I, I guess I didn't quite fully appreciate until the season. Um, and he's been playing really well too. So as long as they get somebody to kind of get off the mark aside from Bella, who, who again, is going to be, you know, gone, presumably, um, starting this weekend, you know, th- they'll be in good shape. It's just a matter of, of getting one or more of those guys, uh, you know, back in the goals again and, and, you know, getting on kind of a rhythm.
2: Uh- I, I guess this kind of comes back, but between those two, the, the midfield and the front line, it's got me um, thinking back to how Bob Bradley was perceived um, when he was with the national team and how different his L.A. team plays. You know, back in the day with the national team, it was very much about results. Um, and Bradley had no problem grinding out a one nothing if that's what it took, whereas LAFC just seems to sort of push their chips all in every game and it's just whatever happens happens and so they've gone on the road and beaten RSL and scored five goals but they've also given up five goals um is that is this what Bradley actually wants to do or is it just sort of this is the team he has and that's the best that this is what he thinks is the best thing to do um because I'm kind of I'm kind of fascinated by the possibility of Bradley going to Europe and coming back and, and instead of being more cautious, being like, let's just go, go see who can score most goals and, and whatever happens happens.
3: Yeah. I think you raise a really good question. And, you know, I think this was something that uh, he promised when he was signed by LAFC, you know, he said, I want to play good football. I want to play exciting soccer that, ever, or he he always says football now. That's what people are you know, that is
2: something he came back with, unfortunately.
3: Yeah, but, you know, I want to play good football. I want to play exciting football. I want people to be dazzled by what we do. Um, and that's kind of the thing that literally every coach anywhere says. Like, you never get a coach who comes in and says, well, I just want to, like, put Tim behind the ball and, you know, pray and see what ha-. Like, they all say they want to play exciting soccer. So when you hear that from a coach at first, you sort of think, well, we'll see. You know, we'll see how this goes. Best laid plans, et cetera, that kind of thing. Um, but no, I think it's I think it's legitimately like he's trying to put together some kind of playing style that is fun, that is interesting. I think he's not necessarily saying we need to seal off the back. Uh, I wanna go for, you know, six, seven game stretches where we don't let in any goals. I'm sure if he were given the choice, he would love to have that happen. But I think he's saying, you know, I wanna have interesting soccer and you know, not I don't want to put uh, a, a mantle on him that he doesn't want to put on himself, but it strikes me that he wants to put in some kind of sy- you know a system similar to like something that Pep Guardiola is doing, right? Like he wants to play soccer that's like so interesting and dominant that the system itself will overcome you know all all, all opponents over time, and that's something that you can't do in like you know six weeks of preseason it's something that um you know it it takes years if ever to to fully come together and I don't know necessarily if that's something that can completely happen in MLS given you know the conditions of the league compared to the places that Guardiola is coached at that kind of thing but um it strikes me that that's kind of what he's aiming for like he wants to aim like like his project here is he wants to aim for something that is um a true legacy you know Like, this sounds all, like, really over the top, but I really think it's kind of a matter of, like, instead of being like, here's a coach who won, you know, 127 games in his career. Like, I think people – he wants people to, like, look back at his – this portion of his career and say, this is a guy who, like, revolutionized how we play in MLS or who completely blew open – conventional wisdom about having destroyers in your midfield, you know, that kind of thing um, and, and made it work. And I think if, you know, it's a, it's a huge, hugely ambitious, again, there's a chance it may not come off. He may become more pragmatic over time if, you know, it it doesn't seem to come together and and the results aren't coming quite fast enough, but uh, it's interesting at the very least. And I certainly give him credit for trying that as opposed to saying Yep, I'm going to put you know 50 of my resources towards building a good defense, and then we'll just hope that the other you know four, five scrubs around Carlos Villa do well enough, and you know hope that that gets us through. Like he's trying something pretty ambitious here.
1: He at least gets to claim, and rightfully so, that he's the best USMNT coach in the past 12 years.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the bar seems to be getting lower and lower on that, but I'm <laughs> pretty happy that he. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he had gotten a call about uh, filling in and maybe he said, you know what? I got hired by LAFC. I got to keep my word there or, you know, something like that. I I can't go back now or, you know, something like that. And he's coming pretty well now. So good for him.
1: And I just want to wear cool dad sweaters and not uh, the Nike crap that the USMNT makes me wear. (laughs)
0: Did you see the photo shot, the photo shoots with, with Bill Bradley or with Bob Bradley, Bill, uh, He he's obviously being styled, I think, with with those jeans and that shirt, the the way he wore the ball cap, unless he's just the coolest dad in the world. I think he is the coolest dad in the world. He's not wearing he, dad sweaters, though.
1: Maybe that this is my point. He was wearing an awesome gray dad sweater at the Portland LAFC game this weekend. Okay. It was great. I loved it. I'm not being ironic. I'm not joking. Mike, that I seriously... I seriously no, it wasn't like it wasn't my pet key style. Totally different style. <laughs> but uh I, I loved it unironically.
3: One one thing that surprises me is that he still has not worn a suit. Like this guy just will not wear a suit under any circumstances. Uh and to some extent I I respect that. I respect the fact that like every other coach in the league wears a suit from time to time and he's like, Nope, I'm good. I'll just wear my warm-ups or my sweater and I I don't need to get dressed up. I'm good. Thanks, guys. That
2: feels very I'm Bob Bradley.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: Jason, do you have any other questions? No, I I used the comment thing to say that those were my three main questions.
0: Oh, my bad. (laughs) It was scrolled up on mine, and I didn't realize. Sorry, sorry, listener. Sorry, Ben. Uh, Alicia... LAFC had had a little bit of a a non-traditional TV deal uh this year for for local TV um they they signed so that all their games in English will be on YouTube TV exclusively which is a subscription service um not even a channel that's available to uh cable subscribers if i'm if i'm not mistaken uh, I bring this up because DC United is in, I think, the last deal, the last year of their deal with Sinclair, um, the nation's largest broadcasting conglomerate, um, and and a lot of people have been disappointed with this deal, myself included. It It was a deal that had a lot of potential for expanding DC United's reach into new markets and having every game available over the air, and instead... Basically, none of the games have been available over the air in DC proper and the the core kind of part of the metro area. Um, in in a it's, few it's outlying areas, here. it's been there. Yeah, in Richmond, it's been great, but here in DC, everything's on News Channel Eight, which is not available in HD in ninety percent of sports bars in the city. So it's it's not a great experience to to watch the game on the channel, most games on are on. So I'm curious about your thoughts on, on YouTube TV and having having the game be on a streaming platform.
3: Yeah, I mean I think it's interesting because I think kind of the timing worked out really well. Um, LAFC was the first MLS team to do this kind of situation. Um, but in the meantime, uh the Sounders have a similar deal, not quite as robust but similar deal. And then RSL also has a streaming um Set up, so it you know they kind of barely beat the rest of the the league to this, um yeah,
0: I think the fire too,
3: oh yeah, of course, the fire is the big one there on e s p n plus plus actually they probably arguably have the best deal of all, but um I think um so i I will be upfront and say that I have not gotten a youtube t v subscription because um we have cable in my house, and obviously, when you have a family, you have to uh Make sure everybody gets what they want. And then also YouTube TV doesn't have all of the soccer channels that I want personally. So I have lobbied them to say, if you get those channels, then chances are we'll probably sign up for you. But until then, I'm not going to do that. Um, The good news is they do air games on television in Spanish on on local stations. So um, Over over the air? I'm not sure because since I have cable, Oh okay. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure if it's over the air or not. uh, To be but at
1: least on local cable packages.
3: Yes. Yeah. Like the basic package. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think some of the good things about it is they have a dedicated channel for LaFC, which is pretty cool, and they've promised all kinds of like special features and um, original content, and I think they're they're going to put you know pretty substantial resources behind that and um manpower which i think is really good they they've got some folks on staff who um have some pretty cool ideas and i think that that could potentially be something that's that you know helps them stand out although of course it's going to end up being for super fans but i think sometimes it's okay to have you know service for those super fans if, if they're people who are going to sit around and watch a 24-hour channel dedicated to your team then you should probably you know get Give them what they want, right? Um
2: I, it us. <laughs>
3: yeah. Um, I do think that one of the advantages of this um is that they I don't think they have to share viewership um figures. And the reason I say that is because uh the Galaxy have a very lucrative television deal with um it's a basically the cable uh one of the cable providers, regional sports networks out here in LA, Uh, they launched a Lakers channel, I don't know, five or six years back. And they signed the Galaxy to, I think, a five or six year, $50 million deal, um, which is far and away the most lucrative, uh, you know, TV rights deal, local TV rights deal for any MLS team, I think even to this day, for obvious reasons. Well, the Galaxy struggled last year, last season i think there was one broadcast that they had like two or three thousand people in the you know many many million market of los angeles uh actually watch and that was i think a pretty big black eye for the galaxy um it seems pretty clear that they're not going to get anything close to that number in a future deal um
1: because they're real know. bad this year too
3: well, yeah, and that I think also how, you know, contributes to it. Um, but, you know, having those figures kind of splashed around the the local press is, you know, pretty embarrassing, even if it is the reality of local MLS broadcasting these days. Um, but if you're sort of saying, you know, we're so great, we're so amazing in our market, you know, we have ambitions for far beyond, you know, the local area. We, you know, we want to be a super club. And then you have um, a situation where there's like 3,000 people in, you know, 12 million people area, Um, you know, it looks pretty bad. And so I think one of the advantages, I'm sure this isn't the primary concern, but one of the advantages I think for having a streaming only deal is that I don't think LAFC is going to have to reveal any of their figures. So they could be like, we're doing great. We're having a good old time. Our viewership is is up 100%. And they don't have to say over what? Right. Exactly. You know, they could have uh, 5,000 and, you know, that's a good starting point. And then they'll have 7,000. You know, it's like we're never going to know those figures. So for all we know, it could be uh, 200 people or it could be 2 million people. And, um, you know, they don't really have to tell us. And that's fine. That's a business practice that's probably going to work out for them in the long run.
0: I'm curious whether DC United will pursue a similar Approach when they're deal with Sinclair. I done super this one of those.
1: think they're going to. I one hundred percent think they're going to.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm with you, Ben. And I'm not sure how I feel about it. So it's it's good to that'll have for, an actual data point. To, that'll be for another at.
1: episode of filibuster. How okay. we feel about that?
0: Well, <laughs> we we will have many counseling sessions on uh, on episodes of filibuster as we have in the past and we will continue to do that. Uh but Alicia, thank you for for that data point. Turning back to the actual game at hand. If you were in uh Ben Olsen's very nice sneakers and not Bob Bradley's very nice sneakers, how would you approach this game? What would be your game plan for facing LAFC?
3: Um I definitely think um putting numbers ahead, uh playing in transition, you know, these aren't really uh newfangled um, strategies you know it's it's stuff that i think every team deploys at least to some extent these days but uh, lafc struggles with um you know teams that kind of hit them up the gut run fast between the center backs you know things like that um they struggle at that and then of course like i said earlier uh the uncertainty of who is actually going to pl- be playing defense um, could make it pretty volatile back there and could, you know, give DC a lot of extra opportunities that uh, other opponents have not gotten to this point. So, um, you know, I think it's a good game plan for anyone really, but I think throwing numbers forward, really pushing, um, you know, to score those goals, even if LAFC gets a goal, um, they're a team that has shown that they can uh, be pinned back. So, you know, as long as it hasn't run up to like three, nothing, I think that, um, you know, any opponent is in the game really. And, and that goes the other way too. If, if DC goes up, up a, a couple goals, goals, um, you know, I think without Vela, it's going to be a lot harder, but I certainly wouldn't say it's impossible. LAFC is they've come de- back from uh, three to one on the road at one point, and And, um, you know, they, 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 they've shown that they're capable of of coming back from games too. So, um even if you you let in a goal uh on either side is you know, it's not all lost. You just got to keep playing and it you know, you may find your opportunity for sure.
1: And DC United has shown that they're more than able to lose after going up in the first 15 <laughs> minutes.
0: Hey, they held on to that 3-goal lead for the first week. time. Thank
1: you very much. Yeah. Hey, they've
0: held on to a one-goal lead this year. Those are the two leads Once. they've held on to. Alicia, thank you so much for coming on the show. Tell our listeners who are foolishly not following you, the ones who, who are foolish, tell them where they can find you on the internet.
3: Sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Soccer Musings, and you can find my work about LAFC primarily at uh, Angels on Parade, uh, the SB Nation blog dedicated to LAFC.
0: And if you're not following her on Twitter, fix that. Go follow Alicia right now. Shame on you.
1: No, we're not going to shame people. We're just going to encourage you. I I will individually shame people. Uh, Filibuster as a podcast may not, but I will individually shame you for not following Alicia.
3: I I tweet about all the MLS teams, so it's not going to be like live tweet. I don't like what to live tweet, so... You don't have to worry about me live tweeting press conferences or games and I I talk about all the teams in MLS, so
1: Yeah. So follow Alicia. I, I am shaming you if you don't follow her. <laughs> Uh, definitely do that. Find
0: us at blackandredunited.com or on Twitter at filibuster DCU for the podcast at blackandredu for the website plus all our personal accounts. If you want to support us financially, do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. We have some more bonus content for our patrons coming out uh, in the very near future, so stay tuned for that. With some good names. With some good names. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the Internet Archive, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. And wherever you do that, please give us a rating and review. I, I feel like we are constitutionally obliged to ask you to do that as a podcast. So that is my doing that. Mostly, though, please tell a friend about the show. That's, that's a great way to help us out and, and spread the word. For Jason and Ben and thanking Alicia one more time, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you real soon. Say goodbye, Jason blocked blocked blocked
2: you're all blocked none of you are free of sin
1: thank you drill